<laughs> Good evening. Tonight is men's night here. And uh, it was quite frankly inspired by the hour of research I spent at the Fairmont Chateau last weekend in the hot tub with three men of different ages and stages as we talked about love, relationships, and sex. And of course, it's because they asked me what I did and I reluctantly told them I was a sexpert. So they, they just shared everything with me. And I thought, you know, um, it was actually a great little conversation. But, you know, your minds are in the gutter, I know. But this was sex talk. And there's going to be more sex talk tonight here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. So it was a very interesting conversation with these three men. They were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, and they had been married, were single, divorced, uh, all different stages, had a girlfriend, lived apart. Um, So I learned quite a bit. And um, uh, so anyway, it was... (laughs) It was very interesting because one of the uh, stories that one of the gentlemen told was he was in his 40s and he was married and he was had met a woman who had been previously married. And he said, and I was surprised by this, he said that a lot of his friends that, you know, a group of eight male friends that were close friends all accused him of having had an affair with this woman and ending her marriage. And he said that actually didn't happen. He met her after the mar- her marriage had broken up. And he said, you know, and they had a lot of room to talk because about six out of the, the eight men were having an affair because nothing was going on at home. He just added that little bit. I get in trouble when I say that. That's because I'm a woman. Um, but I feel that it's a community service when I educate about if you're not having sex with your man, somebody else is. But nonetheless, I digress. And uh, people don't like when I say that, but I feel it's actually a community service. And that is how important sexuality is and sex and ensuring that that aspect of your relationship is intact and important and on the front burner. But lots of things can happen to people along the way in life, and especially men. I think women are much better about talking about uh, emotional issues or if they have depression. More women do have a little bit more depression than men at different times. But but I think this is a big secret and the big shame for men uh, that they have depression And they associate it with weakness, and it's definitely not associated with weakness or to be a weakness, but it certainly can cause a lot of troubles. By the way, did I mention who I was? I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse. I'm the host of this show, in case you forgot. I am joined by Jason Colbridge, the fabulous tech producer here. Are you going to say anything tonight? Jordan. Did I say Jason? Yeah, it's actually Jordan. Sorry. All right, never mind. I was so tired today. I spent the weekend at Whistler at the Every Woman BC, and it was all physical activity all weekend long. Again, get your minds out of the gutter. It was exercise. and um, But anyway, then I had to take a nap this afternoon and go for a swim so to wake up. So I apologize, Jordan. Thank you so much because you've just done a bang-up job here the last few weeks, and I'm going to miss you. You're not going to be helping me out regularly in the future. No. Anyway, but you've been great. A lot of creativity behind uh, the show comes from you. So I, I appreciate that. And thank you so much. So when we're talking about uh, depression and men feeling the pressures of life um, and, you know, they're the breadwinners and they're to be, you know, that'll look great and they are to help with the kids and they are to go into the labor and delivery rooms. That was a conversation we had this weekend, and not all men want to do that. So there are many different pressures put on men today. But a lot of women at the Every Woman BC conference up at Whistler this weekend was 
a lot of women were talking about the problems they were having with the men in their lives. And that's not to say that men don't have problems with women. We'll get to that at another on another time. But some of the problems they were having was that men were losing their jobs and they were feeling down and depressed and they were drinking. Uh, interesting, last weekend at Whistler I met about four or five men who said that their wives were making or their girlfriends were making more money than they were and they were all happy about it or seemingly so. Um, but at least sharing that information uh, says something. And this weekend I met a lot of women whose husbands and boyfriends had lost their jobs, they were depressed, they were had low self-esteem, they were drinking, they were sexting other women, and they were engaging in porn, uh, more so than the women were comfortable with, and they had supported the man potentially through the first depression, then he got himself back on, and then now he was having another one where he would leave his job and not and decide not to take another one, and the women were starting to set limits because they couldn't uh, say no, so they were all asking questions about that. So to that end, I've invited a couple of uh, fabulous uh, professionals here tonight to help me and you talk about some of these issues that men have, but they also have female clients as well. We'll touch upon that also. Um, so I've invited John Neuenberg. He is an award-winning business coach who's worked with hundreds of clients. He's also helped me tremendously in my business. There are also there are almost as many different kinds of business coaching as there are business coaches. So John coaches in three primary areas, business growth, getting results using proven tools, strategies, and techniques, personal growth, working with you to make the shifts in mindset needed to facilitate success and accountability, helping you to stay accountable for the results you have chosen that up until this point may have been just a dream. So when not coaching, John enjoys being with his partner, Jennifer, and also playing golf, skiing, running, and reading, which is fantastic. Um, uh, So I think it's, I feel that men and and jobs are really tied together. They are just so symbiotic. And when a man loses his job or is having problems with his job or is experiencing mental illness, such as depression or anxiety or other illnesses, emotional issues or problems in the relationship or intimacy issues, he can bring that into the workplace and that can certainly impact his success. So I've also invited Jason Winters. He is a PhD, a therapist in private practice. He's a psychotherapist and sex therapist. And he also runs the multidisciplinary vulvodynia program, and that is a pelvic pain disorder in women program, and he's an instructor at the University of British Columbia. So when I come back, John Neuenberg, the award-winning business coach, is going to join me. You can give us a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you have any questions about how to go to that next step in business or anything you have for the doctor here about your emotional health. Feel free to give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, and uh, it's men's night tonight here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, although we will be touching upon women a little bit later in the program. Um, To that end, I'm joined by John Neuenberg. He is an award-winning business coach. He's worked with so many clients. He's been very helpful to me in my business and uh so welcome to the studio john thanks so much for coming here it's a pleasure thanks for having me all right that's great so business coach so tell me exactly what that means it means i work with the owners of businesses who in one way or another have found that they're reaching a ceiling of some kind some kind of constraint and um, are looking for some resources someone to help them through that um 
often people, business owners, they'll think about getting a lawyer or an accountant or that kind of thing, and uh, a business coach is a relatively new uh, field. Um, and more and more people are kind of accepting business coaching as another um, support person that can help a business owner grow their business, get through some of the challenges that they face. Oh, I find men are really tied to their business. That defines them. That, you know, it's all about what do you do? You know, how much money do you make? Um, you know, all the toys that can represent maybe what they, uh, how successful they are or how leveraged they are. It's one or the other. Um, and uh, so how do you find, uh, what, are, what are some of the issues that men are having in business? Is it related to their the growth or, or are there issues in the relationship or in their um, personal life or, or their medical life? Well, it's a, a bit of, I guess, a secret, a little-known fact that every business problem almost always is a personal problem in disguise. Every oh, interesting. Every business problem is a personal problem in disguise. So often when a business owner reaches out and, and engages with me, it's because they perceive, they present the problem as being something to do with the business, some system, some process, some financial issue, marketing. Um, you know, that's really what they perceive as being the issue. But when you dig in deep underneath that, the constraint usually is something about their personal skills or leadership or belief system or how they identify themselves. Uh, and uh, so many business owners wouldn't think to go and get a counselor, you know, that sort of right. images of um, Birkenstocks or something like that, you know, sort of lifestyle coaches, that right. kind of association comes to mind for a lot of owners. And and so, um, and they would never go out to seek that, but they will go out and seek help in the form in the shape of, I need some help with my business. And then they find out that they don't, um, many, many business owners, in fact, in the, the thing they enjoy the most is the fact they have someone to talk to, literally. They, you know, they, there's no one in their business they can talk to. Uh, usually there's no one in their family they can talk to, or at least not in an open, you know, unfettered kind of way. And so they get lots of value just simply being able to open up to someone, and so that's what I do. Okay. How about the guy who is the uh, workaholic? He's working 12, 14, 16 hours a day. He's really not that productive because you lose your productivity after a certain amount of hours is what I understand. Um, and he's not getting ahead, and he's struggling at home, and maybe the marriage is sexless marriage. Maybe there's a few kids that he didn't necessarily want. Maybe it's the second or the third marriage. Um, so that's a number of problems, but it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's not uncommon to uh, have a multitude of issues that may impact your business. Sure. Well, workaholism is an ism. And what I mean by that is it's a, it's an addiction. And um, I use Gabor Mate's definition of addiction. Do you know it? Yes. The one, but go uh, ahead. He says that uh, an addiction is any a uh, situation where you continue to behave in a way that's harmful to yourself or, or a relationship. Yes. And by that definition, workaholism is an addiction in that it prevents you or usually is getting in the way of a relationship that you have somewhere else. And your work becomes so important that you're behaving in a way that is harming some other part of your life. Right. And so I guess they lack insight, like most addicts, um, that they would not realize that uh, their addiction to work is causing problems or contributing to some of the problems in their lifetime. Or maybe they're numbing, numbing. Um, some issues, which is why I played the song Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd. <laughs> 
as the as the opener. I forgot that. Um, yeah, well, that's the only way we can stay in integrity, right? So we we operate in integrity, and if we're out of integrity, we could never, we could not, um, we couldn't let that exist. And so the only way we can live in integrity is to pretend it doesn't exist. We numb it out, and, but you can't numb selectively, right? If and, you're numbing one thing, you're numbing lots of things. And and what are they numbing, and why are they numbing it? Well, it's painful in some way, I presume. Um, or in some way or another, it's not giving them what they need. So they all of their, you know, self-esteem, their identity comes out of their work, and everything else as a result uh, is harmed in some way. Right. And so, are they not feeling good about themselves necessarily on the inside, or not feel, or, or feeling this pressure? Like I've talked to men, some men, and they'll say that you know they hear their father saying you're you're were never good enough, or they feel that their failed first marriage is you know contributing. They've never gotten the therapy they needed after their first failed, if you will. Sorry for using that word, failed. But anyway, uh, marriage um, that didn't work. Marriage out. that didn't work out. Whatever. I mean, let's be politically correct here. <laughs> um, I can't be held accountable for what I say. Uh, <laughs> that's probably not good <laughs> to the business coach, but um, they always have these messages, these these subliminal messages or thoughts that they're thinking about that they're never quite good enough, and yet you look at them from the outside and, and it all looks fantastic. Yeah, there's an awesome book that just came out on this um, on the subject of triggers. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith, who is probably the preeminent executive coach, uh, has worked out it, it, it's this theory that we all wa- operate out of these triggers. And, you know, the one that you just described, the father's voice in the background, that fear of failure, the fear of never living up, you know, that's really what's going on underneath, and it presents itself as workaholism, and as a result of that, there's nothing going on at home, or um, he's not taking care of his family, etc. But, yeah, deep down, your question is, where does it come from? It comes from that trigger, which, in this example, is the father's voice. Right. Interesting. And and men, when they lose their business, because that's another issue that occurs, especially if they've if they haven't run it um, fiscally responsibly, uh, they can maybe hide that. Uh, There's another situation that I'm going to be talking about uh, in the second half of the program where there was some uh, corruption going on and some uh, not only was there a problem in the relationship, but also um, there were some. Um, you know, illegal uh, activity activity in the business going on, and, and and it was a tragic result. So, I mean, people are, I don't know, do people, do men, if they engage in um, activities that are less than, in, you know, uh, honorable, uh, how much is that shame or that secret uh, within, or once they get caught, you know, how much does that impact how they feel about themselves? I don't know. To be honest with you, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. work with that. That's not the kind of work that I would do, and I wouldn't get involved in that kind of a situation. It would really require something else. And you would refer them off to a psychotherapist. There's a place where I recognize this is past what I can help you with. Right, exactly. So what are some of the best best advice from the business coach that you are? Well, coming back to the notion of self-esteem or your identity, the thing that I often ask a business owner is, do you have a definition of the best you you can be, the Mm -hmm. Dr. Zeus thing, today Mm -hmm. you are you. Yeah. And nearly, I'm going to say 99% of people don't have a written definition of the best best you you can be. Mm -hmm. And so that's the equivalent, I think, of getting on an airplane. Would you get on an airplane if you knew the pilot hadn't filed a navigation plan? 
course, that's crazy. No one would ever imagine. And yet people live their lives without a navigation plan for right. what they're, who they're becoming, what, who they're aspiring to be, what they um, want to become every day. Right. Uh, there's a great example of that. Ben Franklin, who's a fantastic uh, example, had uh, in uh, his early 20s, he was sailing back from England back to Philadelphia, and he wrote what he described as his 13 virtues. And he lived by those virtues for the rest of his life until he was 79. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said that even though he didn't always live up to his own expectations, he was the better for it. Is, um, and his practice was each of the 13 he would focus on once per uh, one per week, each um, 13 weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. The result was that four times a year he would uh, identify, focus on, and become better at one of the things that he stood as a standard for his behavior. So often when we're, you know, sort of falling into that abyss that you described or that, you know, place of being depressed, uh, we're heading in that direction because we don't have something to, as a benchmark, to gauge ourselves against. And so uh, for for someone uh, who's who's experiencing some of those kinds of, you know, gee, what's it all about and what's it all for, mm -hmm. the first thing I'd ask you to do is write yourself a, a definition. And the way to do that is... Um, Ben Franklin called them virtues, but I would describe mm -hmm. them as affirmations. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of what uh, William Butler Yeats said, which is, I have believed the best of every man. And I think there is the best of every man. And even every good man can lift their lanterns even that much higher. But I want to just touch upon women a little bit because okay. um, I think it's fantastic. Women in business are very different. We behave very differently in business. We negotiate very differently. We actually don't negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> and so we need advice from men because men learn to strategize uh, in the middle military or on, in competitive sport more so than women. So um, what are some of the, um, some you've certainly shared wisdom with me and have applied it to my business. It's been very beneficial. So what are some of the things you would tell women, like when we think about writing that invoice out, you know, and we're debating whether we should charge 10 hours when it actually took us 15 hours or we should charge eight hours and what is somebody going to think? Um, so all of those misperceptions that women have, whereas a man wouldn't think about it, he would charge from the minute he left his door to the minute he got home. You know, the thing in that circumstance, what you're thinking about is what am I worth? And that's, in my opinion, the wrong question to ask. Because if you're asking yourself, what am I worth? Am I worth $100, $200, $300 an hour? It's hard to find a rationale for that. Mm -hmm. But if you ask yourself the, the question, what is my service worth to my client? How much value is it creating for him? Uh, if I help a client... Um, put on $500,000 more profit, uh, he's happy to invest some of that $50,000 in coaching. So See, how about he? How about she? she <laughs> it's different. Yes. So I you automatically corrected. go. <laughs> but it's it's so different for women. And even so many women will work and they'll say, they'll say to me, oh, Maureen, I'll just do it for you. I'll just do it for free. I'm like, no, I pay everybody. Nobody, never, um, you know, but that's very a very common practice for women. They will... Just work a few extra hours here, there. I won't accept it, but a lot of women will For do sure. that. We think very differently. Yeah. Um, if you devalue yourself in, in the examples that you just said where you're willing to do it for nothing, mm -hmm. then that um, is a symptom of not recognizing the value you can create. Exactly. So, uh, John, you have a website? 
I do. It's W5Coaching.com. Okay, fantastic. And um, so that that's great. So for any uh, businesses out there that uh, need some coaching or need to go to that next level or that next step, which is always good, especially if you uh, <laughs> in the sexual health world and in the business world as well, take it to that higher level. Anyway, when I return, I'm going to be joined by a psychotherapist, and we're going to go uh, to um, talk about emotional health. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath, host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Thanks for staying with me. Um, This weekend I was up at the Every Woman BC Conference, which is a phenomenal conference. It's all about uh, lots of different workshops between emotional health, sexual health, of course, I I delivered those, physical health, uh, lots of kayaking, lots of rowing, lots of aerobic dancing, striptease, the whole thing, Um, and lots of women talking about their relationships and the issues that they're having with the men in their lives, and that's not to say that men don't have issues with women in their lives. Of course, they do. I was interested to see that a new study suggested that a stressful marriage saps your ability to experience long-term joy. That's that, like Mr. and Mrs. Bickerson, you go along, you get stuck in a certain dance, you treat each other in a certain way, you might be critical, you may... I've heard people criticize what somebody else is wearing, their partner is wearing, or or maybe that they are not exercising enough or whatever, they just can't meet the standard. And, um, and then that... They'll try and be nice to each other for a bit, but apparently that doesn't work, according to this research and this New York Times bestseller, The Emotional Life of Your Brain and How Unique Patterns Affect the Life of Your Brain. So to that end, I am delighted to have in the studio with me Dr. Jason Winters. He is a therapist in private practice, a psychotherapist and sex therapist, and he is also uh, runs the Multidisciplinary Vulvodynia Program, and he's a professor an instructor at UBC. Welcome to the studio, Dr. Winters. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's great. You know, we work together at the BC Center for Sexual Medicine, so I can highly recommend you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's great to see you again and that we're kind of in the same realm again. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Working together. We're welcome. So so, uh, tell me about the... um, We talked a little bit earlier in the program about um, the issues that men have, and there's some shame and secrecy around issues because men are supposed to be the strong ones and men are supposed to be the supportive ones. There's pressures on them to bring home the bacon. And, um, you know, so they aren't necessarily, they don't talk to men. I'm, you know, from what I've heard, the way, same way that women can share with other women. So absolutely. And this is something that John brought up a little bit earlier as well. The type of language that men use to describe these sort of things or try to describe these sort of things often is quite different from what we typically see in a therapeutic setting. Um, so this is an important consideration um, when you're doing this type of work. Um, now, in terms of men being able to talk about this sort of stuff, um, obviously, when we're thinking about gender stereotypes, thinking about emotional vulnerability is a very, very difficult thing for a lot of guys to do, which kind of boggles my mind. Because if you think about vulnerability just in general, um, guys will often easily put themselves in situations where they're physically vulnerable. And that's seen as a sign of courage and it's exciting. You know, you go out and you ski a double black diamond run or you break your arm riding your mountain bike or you have a huge tackle playing football and you get hurt. And that's a sign of worth and it's cool. Um, But on the other hand, when it comes to emotional vulnerability, which is really no different, you're putting yourself in a position where you could potentially be in pain. 
men often have a really difficult time with that. So one of the things that often comes up in my office when I meet clients is talking about that type of, of vulnerability and putting it in the context of courage, because really it is an act of courage to be able to talk about those sort of things. But for men, it's really difficult. Putting it in their language is really helpful. Talking about, you know, skills and tools and coaching and problem solving right. resonates much more than saying, hey, listen, we need you to get in touch with your emotions right now. Right, exactly. And and therapy is a gift you give to yourself. I've always believed that. Um, anything to help to process or heal pain and, and get through the difficult times and maybe uh, ha- gain the ability to enjoy life just that much more. And we're always wondering about what other people are thinking about us. You know, women do that and men do that. And I was thinking today about tonight's program. And one time I was driving down Cypress Mountain after skiing, and it was a complete whiteout. And I'm a terrible driver. I admit it. And <laughs> I'm worse if anyone's in the car with me. So I was driving down, and I've driven in snow, and, and I had the fog lights on and the whole thing. And I was going really slowly, and somebody was in the car. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at this. These cars are just behind me. There's just, you know, there's one after another after another another and I felt so much pressure and she said don't worry just she was encouraging me you're, you're doing great and you know we just got to get down the mountain and you know it was like 30 minutes down and at the end of it the people behind me and I was thinking they were all getting frustrated with me which is usually on the road and all the people started tooting their horns when we made it down the mountain they all were tooting their horns and flashing their lights and they were all so grateful <laughs> that I'd actually guided them down the mountain and it was just such a different approach um, or what d- such a different expectation. I was really expecting them to be really angry with me. And so I think men think, people think things of them. They're not making enough money. They're not ha- with the right person. They're not, they're not having enough sex, you know, this kind of a thing. So, Absolutely. Right now is kind of an interesting time culturally, I think, for men. Um, and you see this reflected in some of the more toxic movements out there, like some of the men's rights movements, the anti-feminist backlash that's happening, things like the red pill on Reddit. Sorry to those Redditors that are on the red pill out there. Um, but there's definitely uh, this theme of men feeling like they're kind of lost. Mm-hmm. They're living in the new 21st century world where gender equality is becoming more and more of a reality, a reality, although we obviously have a long way to go. And I think a lot of guys are having a hard time struggling with that because we've focused so much attention on helping women step up, but we haven't really given the men the tools to kind of meet them where they're at now. That's right. And some of the women were talking about pushing the men down and that we should not do that. And, you know, for the most part, most men are, are fantastic. They don't abuse women. They, you know, they're supportive of women. They're, um, you know, so there's lots of things. But what I, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when I come back, I want to talk about some of the really common relationship issues that occur when a man loses his job and his reactions like drinking, going to porn, throwing things, losing his cool, sexting other people, seeking out other women. Anyway, all of those interesting things. And then a really tragic story I want to uh, get your opinion on as well. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to this really hot studio. I'm here. I'm joined by two men. Uh, <laughs> they really turned the heat up. Actually, the heat is actually up. <laughs> I'm Maureen McGrath, and uh, thanks for staying with me. We're talking some about some important issues tonight in relationships and some of the things that men do, and that's not to say women don't do these things too, but um, but I think men struggle a little bit more. And uh, so <clears throat> to that end, I've invited Dr. Jason Winters here. He is a therapist in private practice, psychotherapist, and sex therapist as well. Um, so thanks again for uh, coming to the studio, Dr. Winters. He's also a colleague of mine. Um, so... 
you know, man loses his job in his 40s. He's tied to it. He He's lost his job probably because he's a bit stressed anyway. Maybe he's overworking. He is uh, feels, you know, he's got negative emotion, thinking people think badly of him. He's never going to work again. He'll never be able to get a job. He's 45. Um, and his response is to start drinking and to get angry and to actually tear down uh, his successful wife, who's actually taking care of the kids, and this is a true story, and or, or like 50,000 true stories, <laughs> um, taking care of the kids and working outside of the home and working in the home and supported him through his previous job loss maybe 10 years prior. or uh, But this time she says no because she finds out that he's sexting with somebody else and he's, he's luring other women and, and thinking that's going to do it and um, not really setting out to get a job. And this guy that I'm thinking of actually quit his job before getting another job. Rule number one, I think you... <laughs> I ought to get another one. So how how does a woman deal with that? My advice to this particular person was, uh, you know, you need to set limits. You need to emotionally remove yourself, and this is his issue. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to support him, but it's his issue, and he needs to get the help that he needs. And maybe it's anxiety or depression. So I'm going to the doctor, though, for this. I'm just Dr. Love. All right. You're the, <laughs> you're the real doctor. <laughs> what you do is send him to see me. Okay, exactly. <laughs> You will sort him out. Okay. He will sort himself out. Just a disclaimer before we get into this case. I mean, to be able to fully understand what's going on with somebody, you need to do a proper assessment. Of course. So in the work that I do, I'd usually sit with somebody for an hour or two, maybe even longer if it was a complex case. Yeah. And get all the background information and then be able to come together with the client, come up with some sort of understanding of what's going on, and then you move on from there. You start treatment. Right. Um, But let's take this case as a hypothetical, say. Mm -hmm. So this is the story of a guy who lost his job. He's with a woman who's very successful. She's now the breadwinner because he no longer is earning an income. Mm -hmm. Um, And he starts turning to behaviors that end up causing him a problem, causing him a problem in his relationship and Mm -hmm. otherwise. So you mentioned sexting. It might be turning to pornography. Mm -hmm. It might be visiting sex workers. It might be cheating on his wife, something along those lines. And she put up with it the first time and for a number of years and because she was in denial. It was it was going to get better if I just help you to get better. And then she got worn out. Okay, well, that's a really interesting response because Mm -hmm. the way I see this type of pattern is we've got a guy here who's part of his identity probably is the breadwinner in the family or at Mm -hmm. least a contributor to the family income. And again, this ties into gender roles that we were talking about a little bit earlier. For men, part of their identity is in terms of what they can provide to their family. Mm -hmm. So he loses that, Mm -hmm. right? But his wife is still earning an income. She's now the breadwinner. She's the one who's successful. So he starts comparing himself to her. And Mm -hmm. that's obviously a very painful thing for him to do. So he becomes angry. He becomes hostile. um, He may become depressed. But seeing himself compared to her is what's triggering all of these emotions. And he's got a set of thoughts that go along with this. Like, I'm not good enough. Um, She might leave me. She's the one that's earning the income. I'm not. I'm the failure. And I will add, she has now found him unattractive to her. She does. She does not want to have sex with him oh, any ouch. longer. Yeah. Is that a f- <laughs> like physical attraction or because of the way he's acting? It is the whole. Um, it's it's everything. It's the whole package. Apparently, she's just okay. not attracted because people were. It, you know, we we fall in love with people because of their entire self, not necessarily just the physical. Um, aspects, sure. so the whole type. So she's just like done with him and doesn't even see him as physically attractive anymore. Right. 
Let's okay. So let's focus on the sex stuff because mm-hmm. that I can at least speak to. Mm-hmm. So in thinking about his behavior, so sexting and maybe having an affair or visiting sex workers, not necessarily in this case, but in yeah. these types of cases. That's right. So what he's looking for likely is some sort of validation, right? Mm-hmm. So another metric by which men judge themselves in terms of their success is based on sexual conquests mm-hmm. and whether or not people are attracted to them. So having partners who are desiring to have sex with them and be with them. So he can't do that with his partner because she just triggers these feelings of being insufficient, a failure. He can't have sex with her because it's just too painful for him. But he can go outside his relationship and have sex with other people or sex with other people. And that gives him that sense of validation. It gives him that boost in mood. It makes him feel charged up and good. It ties nicely into his sense of masculinity based on these antiquated, very rigid gender roles. And that provides him some relief, at least in the context of his relationship. Now, of course, in the short term, that's helpful for him. Mm -hmm. But in the long term, it's going to end up ruining his relationship. Absolutely. And his wife is trying to help him. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of taking the upper road on this one, trying to be the caretaker as well as now the income provider, which, again, is even more difficult for him to cope with because now she's providing the income and she's taking care of him. Yeah. And because he's never gotten help before, she's done with him at this stage of the game. You know, she's done. She's fed up. And she's just like, you just go out on your own. It's difficult to throw somebody who's likely depressed or has anxiety um, out on the street or out to cope on their own. But they often actually pick themselves up and and figure it out then because, you know, they've got somebody, especially if somebody's enabling them, then there's no reason for them to get the help. And she may not bear any responsibility in this. This To me, it sounds like a case of a guy who needs to do some work on his own. He really needs to find some value um, in his life and the way that he sees himself that isn't based entirely on his work or his sexual conquests or his sexual interactions. So if he can be propped up and come to realize that he's much more than that, then that triggering effect of being with his wife, who he sees as a success and he's the failure in comparison, that dynamic then gets eroded. And then maybe you can rebuild the relationship after that if it hasn't been damaged. Okay. So I have another case, which uh, we're going to go to the, actually the tragic one. Then we're going to take a break and come back if you can, because this is pretty common. There was a a woman who was married to a man. They were married about 25 years and they lived in uh, Seattle and he traveled up to Vancouver to do business and he met a woman up here and he told the woman that he was single, of course. The first hint was that he was paying for everything in cash. She had another excuse for why. (laughs) Anyway, the girlfriend. And so after about uh, a year-long affair, the woman found out that he... Uh, that her, her husband, uh, w- you know, father of four and husband of 25 years was having an affair with a woman and she phoned the woman and said, you know, uh, I'm going to ruin you because um, I'm going to ruin your marriage. Well, the other woman wasn't married. married. The other woman was planning to move in with this man. So really essentially two different lives. This has a tragic ending because on the day that the woman, the girlfriend, found out that her boyfriend, the love of her life, was married, um, she said, I don't go out with married men. That's it. You know, she broke up with him. And then he went, as the story goes, and had a conversation with his wife. And then um, 10 hours later, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So um, he could not I mean, obviously, things must have boiled up. Now, the girlfriend never saw any signs of depression. According to the wife, there were, was mental illness for a number of years. So uh, that's a lot to absorb. I know it's a tragic story, but uh, right. living those two lives and having those affairs and saying, you know, no, I'm not married and putting themselves out there as single can certainly get uh, 
impact things and and why do guys do that i mean you know <laughs> okay so not speaking to the specific details of this case again because yes, simply course, it's impossible yeah. to know without that's right yeah talking with these people um but again it goes back to this idea of using sex or relationships to somehow soothe mm-hmm. so if you've got somebody who's got a long history of depression anxiety perhaps it's some sort of personality pathology mm-hmm. but for some reason they're really really struggling um, maybe it's related to stress maybe it's related to conflict in their family with their partner mm-hmm. um, so they're mired in this state of distress now when they turn to sex an affair pornography whatever it might be that provides them some relief from that mm-hmm. so in the case that you just mentioned he's started an affair with somebody who's living away from the city that he's in. So he's away from all of those things that remind him about the stress, the depression, the struggles that he's having right. because he's away in a different city. On top of that, he's engaging in an affair, which is a highly exciting and pleasurable thing for most people to do, despite all the guilt, the shame, the remorse, and those sort of things that go along right. with and it. And he's just getting well. pleasure here. When he's it's, in Vancouver, it's just nothing it's about pleasure. pleasure. It, it, what's that? It's, it's nothing, about, uh, nothing but pleasure. Nothing right. but pleasure. Pleasure. Sorry, yeah, it's nothing but pleasure in Vancouver. And when he goes home to his finances and the kids and the life, it all comes the... crashing back down. Right, and then yes. now on top of that, he's got all this guilt, this shame, this remorse, this humility. Right. It's just this toxic effect that happens afterwards. It's the crash that happens after he comes home, right? Which just puts him back into that exact same state, or at least reinforces that state he was in beforehand. So right. then he probably has that desire to then leave, go visit his mistress in Vancouver, yes. get his shot, be inoculated against that. Right. Stress for short yes. term yeah. before he heads back, back to the life yeah. that he normally yeah. lives. What's and interesting is the women's responses, both of the women's responses to this situation after after he had uh, killed himself, was that they both had their d- d- dose of denial about yeah. how um, he was, one said he she never saw, and she probably didn't, never saw any depression, never saw any mental illness. And, and the wife was, you know, our relationship was absolutely perfect. And you ruined my relationship, which is often the case. Women will blame the other woman instead of blaming the, the actual situation at hand. But we have to go to break. So just hang on to that thought. I can see you're hanging on. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Jordan, that song was for you. Thank you for the music. <laughs> I was going to sing The Wind Beneath My Wings. Thank you, thank you, thank (laughs) God for you, the wind beneath my wings. But you told me never, ever to sing. I told you not to do that. That's not... (laughs) Ever again. (laughs) You have a day job, remember? I do. (laughs) Anyway, yes, I do. Uh, I uh, am a... um, registered nurse and (laughs) you can come and see me as well but uh nonetheless we have dr jason winters here so thank you so much uh jordan once again for all of the tech production that you've done here and all your creativity no you've been a rock star you've done a bang up job here on the sex show and i've appreciated it i'm really grateful you've taught me a lot and there's some uh we've got a little work coming out uh that the two of us have done in the future so i'm still waiting for my uh my gift card to your website remember oh yeah don't worry about (laughs) it i brought some toys in tonight um and the other thing is i know you even went shopping for me i have to say i i remember when you came to my office and i was a little bit running behind and i said well can you go run up and get me a lab coat just make sure (laughs) i said medium long and it has snaps you know so we can just rip it off really quickly no i'm just kidding anyway (laughs) and it was large and short and you said it has snaps it has 
snapped. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to when you can uh, come back and do some vacation relief. So anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We're talking about some tragic stories here about love and relationship and sex. And, and when people don't address their problems, which is the case I just talked about where the man committed suicide after he was found out about his affair, um, but he come to find out he had some business problems as well. He had some uh, less than ethical issues going on where he was taking some cash under the table. And, you know, on paper, he was 45 bucks an hour. But in reality, he was making half a million dollars a year. And so there's troubles there, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to tie this back into the sex-related stuff in particular, I mean, I, I market myself as a sex therapist, and I do psychotherapy as well. Yeah. Um, but what I see when clients come in to see me, they come in ostensibly for a problem related to sex or mm-hmm. some issue related to sex. Mm-hmm. But you start talking with them, and you find out that the problem with sex is a symptom of something else. That's almost always the case. I mean, sometimes sex is just simply the problem or the relationship's in a state of conflict. But when thinking about things like, you know, uh, out-of-control sexual behavior like porn use, infidelity, erectile dysfunction, lack of desire, premature ejaculation, ejaculation, (laughs) inability to orgasm, anxiety around relationships and sex, it's all typically symptomatic of something else, something else that's underlying that you need to address. That's right. So if, for those people out there listening, if you feel like sex has become a problem for you in one way or another... Take a moment to kind of step back and reflect. Is this symptomatic of something else that I am not addressing? And what is that thing? And should I reach out and get help? And of course, I would encourage all people to reach out and and get help. Absolutely. Um, And where can they go for help? Well, to uh... see me, (laughs) drjasonwinters.com. I have an office on Broadway. uh, And I also have another office down in Yale Town. And you have a website? Yep, drjasonwinters.com. Oh, okay. Did you, so sorry, you check it out? It There's lots so, more information there. And, and you know, this is obviously we couldn't even get to the third case where the you know man is angry and controlling the woman from afar. You know, like I have so many situations, and so obviously I'm going to have to have you back. I'm going to have to have John Newenberg back. Fantastic guest tonight. I've been getting uh, messages from Facebook and, hot, and my hotmail nurse talk at hotmail.com. Uh, you can email me and saying what a great show it has been tonight. So thank you so much. But we've only touched the tip of the tip of the iceberg, and so we're going to have to delve deeper, which is what I'd love to do. Anyway, so um, I'm Maureen McGrath, and I have a bunch of speaking engagements coming up. I'll be at the Cloverdale Pharmasave on June 18th. I'll actually, before that, a little um, foreplay for you out in Maple Ridge at the Seniors Community Center, and I, um, I've i been telling everybody that I'm going to be at the Cloverdale Rodeo, but lo and behold, some cowgirl I am, it's actually just at the Cloverdale Fairgrounds, but uh, I will be in full cowgirl mode, speaking there at Shannon Hall at 1 o'clock on the 27th of June. A bunch of other things you can visit my website www.backtothebedroom.ca you can always tweet me at back the number two the bedroom you can email me nurse talk at hotmail.com or sex talk at cknw.com remember when you stumble on this gravel road of life make it part of your dance i am maureen mcgrath and you have been listening to the cknw sunday night sex show